This episode of ArcaSpeak is brought to you by ArcCat. And are you visiting Chicago for a green build in November? Check out the ArcCat booth 529. That's 529. This year's theme for green build convention is human by nature, focusing on sustainable buildings and practices that are accessible to everyone. Did you know that you can use RCAT to find lead data on building products? RCAT's powerful search engine can help you find the product information you need that meets your environmental standards. Best of all, it's free. Check out RCAT.com, that's A-R-C-A-T dot com today, and visit us at the Green Build November 14th and 15th at booth 529. Again, that's 529 for more information. Welcome to Archispeak, the podcast that talks about what it's like to work in the profession of architecture. Welcome to episode 153 of the Archispeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. So, uh, Last episode, we had the architect fails, and one of the guys in our office came by, and he was telling me about one that he had, and I thought it was just kind of funny. It's just funny, and and so I wanted to share it with you guys. So he he came over, and he wrote down on a sticky note, he, he wrote the word node tail, and I'm like, node tail? Hmm? He's like, and he goes, yeah. So I was doing some markups. I, I wrote some notes. And I get the drawings back, this circle around this handrail detail, and it's got a little leader, and it says node tail. (laughs) What the hell? Now, write down node tail, and you'll see what note he actually left on it. No detail? No detail. He was asking (laughs) them to draw a detail. (laughs) <laughs> and he put no detail and he's just like what is this he goes well you your note said no no tail he goes no it said no detail like oh <laughs> i was just like no that, see that's too good to not share just no tail i was like okay, okay wow, I, I, that's I have awesome. one for you then i don't know i don't think i shared this one so many years ago when we put uh, notes on the drawings, right? We put unless otherwise noted or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on a note. Well, many years ago, the office, the, the gentleman I was working for at the time, he he would write unless noted otherwise. So if you abbreviate that, yeah. what does that spell? Uno. You know. Uno. Uno. So yes, exactly. I say, I say you know all the that time. Is ex- <laughs> and so the uh, contractor said, well, I just thought it said, you know, it's like, blah, 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 you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> no, unless other. So now I, I literally told this to one of our younger staff this past week. I told them this story. So anytime you're noting this, you always write U O N, not U N O. Please. And if you ever see that note, Go ask. Go ask, yeah. And if, you're asked, funny. and if you're ever asked to draw a detail, because it, and somebody puts on the drawings, no detail, it's not no tail. 
It's draw the detail, <laughs> note it up. You know? <laughs> well, if I saw no detail, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, there's no detail. <laughs> but you're right. There is none. <laughs> there is none. Oh, you mean yeah, draw that, detail. Well, that should have just oh, okay. been the answer, right? It should have just been, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Or, yeah, you, exactly. know. <laughs> you know. Or, you know. <laughs> no detail, you know. <laughs> All right. Oh, those are good. Those are good fails. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for keeping it going there. All right. So this last week we were at Construct, right? You guys were Yeah. Jet setting. Wait, who was there? We? We were there? You were there more than than <laughs> both of us combined. Yes, yes, I was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was there for like three hours, maybe. And so yeah, let's talk so about jet setting. Sorry. Basically, yes. uh I mean, I th- I just thought we should do a little bit of a wrap up on that and yeah, sure. and talk about our what it was like because it didn't get recorded, right? So this is something that you had to be there. Um, but maybe we can give everybody a little bit of a of a breakdown of what happened, and then um, maybe give them a a look to what types of things Construct is doing, so that they might be interested in going in the future. So, what what was your guys's experience? Well, first, I'll say. I mean, we've been recording this show now, you know, six years, you know, and um, <laughs> it's UNO, right? Yes, it's UNO. Yes. And we, we have a good flow and all of that other stuff. And I will say that it was a little, I, you know, because it was our first time ever doing a live like recording, a Q&A. like a Q&A yeah. type thing. And no, it wasn't live recorded, but it just, it. It felt that way. And though we still had a good flow, it was really weird having to like hand each other the microphone. And it was, yeah. and as you could tell, I wasn't quite sure. Okay, when do I stop talking now? Microphone's in my hand. People are staring at me. Do I keep talking? I'm going to continue to ramble. I'm rambling. I'm rambling. Why, why is everybody hey, staring at me? Give it to someone else now. Why, why are you all staring? Oh, okay. All right, here, take the mic. You know, so it's just like, I think it's a little jarring too when you get a microphone and it's very different than podcasting because it's, it's echoing throughout this large space and that's not a normal situation for any one of us. I mean, if, if I'm ever giving a presentation, I'm not mic'd, I'm talking to a room, uh, granted not a room that big, but, uh, it's very different. Or when I'm even lecturing, when I'm teaching and, and I have a hundred students, it's still not that big and I'm still not mic'd. Right. So, um, I felt like that was the biggest kind of thing that I had to deal with immediately was just hearing yourself amplified and right, right. and just wondering, is that too loud? Can you hear me? Uh, there, there's just so many things that because there's no prep ahead of time for that kind of thing. No, um, You're relying right. completely on however the tech set it up and you have no clue because they're not even there anymore <laughs> to, to adjust it if it needs it. So. Uh, hopefully that all came across well, okay, but I what felt about like... the fact say what about the fact when we got there they had a, a little table set up yeah so let's and this is nothing to do about construct I mean that just this is the traditional way they would set up a panel they'd have a little table so, yeah and then so they like... had a lectern there at the next to the table and Cormac you you so let, you yeah let's set the stage yeah this. yeah so we so yeah, we like yeah, go ahead so you we walk in and there's a little small stage there's a podium for the moderator, which was Sharice, which was fantastic. And, and then there was a little table, which 
there weren't chairs up there yet, but I was assuming there were going to be three chairs with one little microphone there. And we would sit there and it would be like a presser of some form where we're sitting there yeah. and answering questions. And it was, how'd really you feel weird. the game went? Yeah. yeah. So, well, you know, I gave it 110% and coach put me in and kept running into the wall, <laughs> but it was, it, it was really weird. So, you know, and we were, we sat down for, interview for somebody else's podcast and it was and look at i was like what do you think do you think they would get mad at us if we just took their setup off the stage and we put a couch and a chair up there and made it a little bit more comfortable and i didn't even really get the words out of my mouth before you two were like pulling stuff off the the stage <laughs> so, all right well, i guess I that's like, i guess that's what that. we're we'll doing take- We'll take a good idea and run with it any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was, and, and honestly, it. it was great. And and I even shared some pictures with my wife and she goes, yeah, that seems more natural for you guys. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. we've actually sat all on a couch together at to record <laughs> some things before. So that just yeah. felt natural to us. And And again, just to reiterate, that was not the construct shows issue at all it was just the the tech department of the convention center and how they set it up yeah right so i think that that the new setup was much nicer and and i i think like like you said it was it was more natural and i think that it probably set a better tone for the audience as well like just the way that the interaction went with the audience because one of the things that i thought was really neat about this particular you know it was a young professionals luncheon we were there to talk while everybody was eating lunch and, and Charisse was moderating and asking questions that we had talked about ahead of time and kind of figured out the kinds of things we wanted to, t- to talk about. But then, you know, it always goes off course during the, the actual thing, which is fine. We're all okay at handling that kind of a thing. Right. But at some point, people just start talking from the audience and interjecting mm-hmm. and adding their commentary. And then people start going back and forth in the audience and it felt totally natural. Like it was not out of place at all. And so I, I really thought that that was one of the most successful things about it. And I think yeah. just the way that I think that the swapping the furniture, as silly as it sounds helped make that happen rather oh, than making okay. us feel like some type of authority figure at the front of the room with, Right. With this barrier between us and the audience, by removing that, it made it much more conversational and much more what this podcast is about and, and much more approachable, I think, for everybody to be a part of the conversation and not feel like they were an audience there to listen, but they were actually there to participate and contribute. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Totally. So it's uh, I went to Construct's website here just to grab their URL, and on their website, they have a some sliding images and one of the ones actually has us sitting there on the couch uh in, hmm. in a collage of several other shots from the show floor and such but uh yeah so yeah we're there so that that was cool i and i agree that the setup was much more us and i thought exactly i think people wouldn't have felt as open to ask questions and have a dialogue back and forth if we weren't being presented in a much more casual way. Yeah. I, it was fun. I I felt like it, it's always hard to walk away from those knowing how the audience feels about it. But some people yeah. did come up after the talk and chatted with us, even some longtime listeners who, you know, wanted to introduce themselves and 
And I felt like that really made it made me feel like it went over well. I mean, we did get some some laughs in the room, which I thought was important yeah. to do. Um, and I also felt like I walked away from there feeling like, oh, we might get invited back to do something like this again. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, and you know, well, I had we had I had a great time. What was also great about it is you know when we were talking, and just kind of like our natural flow and stuff. And we're talking about our experiences and, and people are like shaking their heads along with us. You know, you can tell that they're connecting with what we're saying and it's resonating with them because, you know, we're talking, we always, the, I think the success of the show is that, you know, all of the listeners tend to have shared experiences that we have. And you could tell that with the audience. Cause they're like nodding along. Yep. Yep. I know that. I know that feeling. And, it just it was it was great it was it was good interaction it was good the the questions that we got both from the moderator and from the uh audience were were really good i i, I was most surprised when i had prepared some other ideas ahead of time for the question about productivity tools and mm-hmm. i decided i don't know probably a day or two before we went um just based on kind of thinking through the questions a little further that I was going to answer that question differently. And because I, I wanted to do something that I thought would kind of challenge the audience. Right. And so when, when Sharice asked, what is your favorite productivity tool? Because I think, you know, that's something that she's really interested in. And I think a lot of people are interested in what tools people use to, to get things done. And, and my answer is almost an antithetical answer, right? I said, YouTube and um, I was expecting, you know, there was quite a range of ages in the audience, even though it was quote unquote, a young professionals luncheon, there was definitely, I don't know, four, four different generations in the room, probably oh, maybe yeah, three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I was, I, I didn't know how that was going to go over. Uh, and so obviously I did explain what I was thinking when I said that it wasn't just like a one word answer, but just thinking about how the landscape has changed when it comes to how people learn and when they can learn and how fast they can learn. And there's this resource out there. And, and I don't think it really matters that it's, it's strictly the brand name YouTube, right? There's, there's lots and lots and lots of places you can learn online. Um, But, but just as a, as kind of a shock to the system, when somebody says, what's your favorite productivity tool? A lot of people would assume that that's, a time wasting tool, right? Right. It's not a, it's not a tool that you use to be productive. Right. But I think that one of the biggest problems that our profession has is that people don't feel like they have permission to learn at work. Right. Everybody already has to know how to do everything, which is, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, which is funny though, because I mean, I liken, and it took me a while to come around to this feeling, but I liken YouTube and the Google searches as the same thing as when I was flipping through sweets catalogs or yeah. look for, or flipping through um, architectural graphic standards. I needed to learn. I'd never drawn something like that before. So I needed to draw something and I needed to find some examples. So what did I do? I didn't have the internet. So I went to the books. They've right. got the internet. Right. You know, well, and, and I totally agree with you. And obviously this answer is meant to be a little more shocking to the older people than the younger people. Right. Because 
obviously there's tons of great stuff all over the internet. And like you're saying, if, if, if you're searching Google, people don't think you're messing around, even though you totally could be, but it's, I think it's <laughs> more so with YouTube, right? There, there is a lot of different types of content on there. And so what video are you watching? It, it could be, it could be anything, right? But I think one of the, the reason I wanted to make that point and, and what, and the surprise that I got out of saying that in front of those people was was because I wanted people to think differently about the way we learn. What's really interesting to me is that when you see somebody on their phone, they actually might be working, right? They're not right, just right, right. messing around on social media. You can use that thing for anything. It is a computer in your pocket. So it's the same thing for YouTube. You can be learning how to do computational design Instead of going to school at night to do that, you can do it anytime you want. And what, so I, I think that what was shocking to me to finally get to the point was there was actually a round of applause for that answer. Right. And I was right. not expecting that at all. And it was, I think, priven, pretty much evenly distributed throughout the room. So uh, I wasn't expecting that, but I was really happy to hear that response back because it makes me think that things are changing in in the workplace when it comes to people having resources available at their fingertips all the time and not feeling like they have to sneak it in, they have to look over their shoulder, but that they're actually responsible people using a great resource to learn new things all the time. And so um, it was interesting how that all went down. So I thought that was probably my favorite part of the whole day. I agree. I, I agree. And I loved it. I, I loved I, I loved the reaction. I loved the head nodding. I loved, you know, people were like, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and honestly, like I said, it took me a while to come around to that, that feeling, but I totally agree. I, a good example is we've got a kid on our team who, you know, this is his first job. He took a year off from school, and, and, and a lot of times we've been using him more for productivity, so he's been kind of stuck in SketchUp land for, you know, quite a while. So he's getting into learning Revit and we don't have necessarily the time, especially on this current project to sit down and give him a, he's, he's got to basically crash course himself. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about it is, is that he's online and he's watching tutorial videos on how to do this or how to do that. You know, we're asking him, you know, to do things like, you know, Hey, you need to do a, um, you know, a, a, was it a section box or something like that or whatever, you know, whatever I was at, we were asking him to do. And, and he, you know, he didn't know how to do it. And we didn't really have the time to sit down because we were kind of in a crunch mode today. And he, he didn't really, I mean, he, he maybe lost a little bit of time just um, of productivity time I'm using big air quotes there, but he learned what he needed to learn. He did what he needed to do. We still made our, our, the deadline that we were shooting for by, you know, close of business. And he's, he now knows how to do what we were asking him to do. And that that's great. And so, I mean, as, as much as I would say YouTube is a great productivity tool, I'll give this shout out to a couple of people that I seen in our uh, office. CNN is not. <laughs> <laughs> if you're reading political articles and all that other stuff in the middle of the day when you should be doing other work, you should probably do that other work. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? 
<laughs> all streaming video is not equal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So overall, I mean, I think we all felt pretty good about it. And then uh, as soon as it was over, Neil jumped back on a plane. <laughs> yeah. You I, were gone. You, you landed, you were there, and then you left. Yeah. I I had a planning commission meeting the night before, so I couldn't fly down the night before. And I had the Citizens uh, Police Academy class at six o'clock that evening. So had to get I literally left that morning and I had to leave almost, what, not even barely a half an hour after our talk. You got, and, you uh, got there, you, what, about a half an hour before the talk? Uh, Maybe an hour. 45 yeah. minutes. Mm-hmm. It was 45 minutes before. Okay. Yeah. And I left uh, about a half an hour after right. our talk. Was... Uh, maybe about 45 minutes after, too. But, uh, yeah. So I, 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 I did. I, I literally, I flew back. I, I flew back into Oakland at 4.30 in the afternoon. I got home about 5.30. And less than a half an hour later, I made my class. So right. it all worked out. Well, then there oh, you go. I think your Amazing, commute was right? about the same length as mine. Because I sat in traffic <laughs> both ways. Yeah, and and I flew half, or basically from Northern California to Southern California. So yeah, uh, that must yeah, have been hard. It, that for all you. went. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I didn't have to fly across the country like oh, you, poor Cormac. You didn't did. even leave your state. <laughs> I didn't. Well, I live in a big state. So. Although I will say this: so the day before. You know, I, I got there early, obviously, because I couldn't fly in the day of. Unless you right. did a red eye or something. No, I mean, there was <laughs> Even there that literally work. no flights that would have got me there on time leaving I mean, because they just don't leave early enough for me to get there on time. So okay. I, I came in the day before and as a podcaster, I listened to tons of podcasts and one of the many podcasts that I listened to is a Kevin Smith one. So they were doing a live recording of one of his up in LA. And so I went up there and what was great about it? I mean, I love how, how it's all made, you know, they do both a video component and also the audio component, which is really all I listen to. I don't really watch the video and and it's, and it's great just to kind of see how they do it and how they run it. And almost everything's hidden. Whereas like we're, we sit in front of, our computers with our microphone and, and, you know, we do it this way, which is probably how a lot of podcasters do it. And it was, it was kind of great. And I will say that it was kind of a a cool environment. Uh, It was in the scum, scum and villainy cantina, which was a star Wars themed one, which was all filled with my kind of, you know, nerd mindseted people. And uh, it was funny. It was like, all of these people wearing these every different kind of like pop culture related pop, you know, uh, graphic t-shirt and of the whole crowd. I I think my t-shirt of all of the t-shirts got the most like, Hey dude, you got a cool shirt. Let me buy you a shot. Like my G Force T shirt. I had my I did. I had my Battle of the Planets G Force T shirt and Nice. I literally I got I so going there it was, you know, because it was in a cantina, you had the two drink minimum. And I had four people buy me just because of my T shirt, I had four people buy me drinks. And so I didn't even have to pay for, you know, um <laughs> my two drink minimum because somebody else did. All sweet, because yeah. of my nerd graphic T shirt. 
Nice. You got a. You didn't a, tell us that. You had a yeah. good bonus. Well, you left there. You left early, <laughs> so I couldn't tell you that. But yeah, I, I will say it was kind of cool. And so, so actually, a week later, I wear I wore the the T-shirt at at work today, and like two people in the office didn't buy me a drink, but they were just like, <laughs> "Is that really a G Force T-shirt? Can I go get you a coffee?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, don't drink coffee anymore. <laughs> oh, that's right. But, Can I refill your water, sir? Exactly. No, but it was <laughs> it was really good. But yeah, no, it was it was great, and and I really had fun. Just like I said, watching how other people do it. You know, I don't think that it's anything that we can use in our particular podcast because it's two completely different ones. They're talking about kind of pop culture and, you know, movie genres and stuff like that. And that specific one was talking about the very cool, um, castle rock TV show that's on, um, which I give full endorsement of you guys watching. If you're Stephen King fans. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was just, it was really just kind of cool to like see the whole thing. Plus it was, it was weird. And, and I know Neil, you listen to the show too, but yeah. that cantina, not very big, doesn't fit a lot of people in it. And, uh, it's really, I mean, it's, it's very, wow. You, you'd be surprised. Like, again, since you listen to it, I don't know if anybody else out there listens to it, but you'd be surprised at how small that place really is. So That's did they amazing. post the episode yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. They did. So right away. Yeah. yeah, they they usually post it. But well, it was it was probably a couple of days because yeah. they had to do the uh, yeah. the audio edit and stuff. But it was so. What was really kind of cool is so I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, we try to be in a mostly quiet rooms where we're recording. They're in a live bar. They yeah. they've literally got the bartender standing right behind them, shaking like you know a, a cold mixed drink right behind them. You hear the ice clattering in the background. And I, and I listened, listened to the audio version of it, you know, again, obviously, and I'm listening to it. And then, and now I'm seeing everything that's going on. I didn't even have to look at the video because I was there, but like, if you hear like all these little, like somebody would like yell out something in, in Mark Bernard and the guy on the show, he was like, he, you know, kind of got sidetracked and, and answered them and you can hear it on there, but you, you really can't hear their audio, but you know, I know what the question was and he kind of repeated it. Right. You can, you can hear all of the drinks being made in the background. The only thing that you can't hear on there is because of the way that it's situated the front to get to the bar, the front door is, you have to walk past the people who are recording the podcast to get to the bar. Oh. <laughs> it is just, it's a little different of a environment. Yeah. I was like, uh, what, what was surprising? I was like, how they just kept rolling. They didn't even, yeah. it didn't even bother them. Nothing faces them. Yeah. No, they were just like total professionals. They just kept on, you know, kept on, kept on or kept on cool. keeping on or however you want to say that. <laughs> I like, I like that. You should make that into a t-shirt. Kept, kept on, kept on. on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, you guys, let's get to business here. We got two questions this week from uh, a listener and from a listener's father who is a listener. So uh, it's like wow, a little com- complicated there. But anyway, I I they were they were rather long emails, so I cut out the question parts and posted those for you guys to read. But um, 
Let, let's jump on one of these first. So the first one is from Paul Krabath, and, and his, his son is a fifth-year architecture student in Syracuse. And so his main question, uh, he kind of gave a, a little synopsis history of, of what his son's been up to, travel abroad, working for professors and various small firms. But his first question, he had two two questions. The first one was, that he sees is because he listens to our show and he's, he's so he's asking, and I think we can, we can probably answer this is, do you really need working for a larger firm on your resume? Because eventually he wants to teach. And so, uh, so he's saying, does he need to work for a three letter firm? Um, he wants to teach at some point, but he wants to work for a while first to get some real world experience. And get some money, <laughs> and go to grad school, maybe. So we work. So I don't know. Does anybody want to jump off with that one? And I, I would, I, I would honestly say that the just the explanation that he gave of what his son's been doing, um, you know, working, you know, he's getting, he is getting real world experience. And to be quite honest with you, if if he were sitting in an interview with me, he would be a top candidate because he's got real life experience that enriches and, and you you talk about this all the time about how the outside of the firm activities enrich what you do and bring to the table in the firm mm-hmm. and you know the travel is a is a fantastic plus i mean yeah he's he's worked with um you know his professors and things like that and so did i when when i was coming out of school so I mean, that's experience and that's valuable because you actually understand deadlines or you, you hopefully you're learning deadlines from your professors or learning how to draft or learning, you know, a few things here and there that are going to be valuable to you that people who don't have um, office experience, which, you know, may or may not get hired, you already have that leg up on them. So even if it's a smaller firm, if ultimately you want to go and you want to teach you know i mean i don't i don't think that coming straight out of school with the experience that he has right now is gonna be a hindrance it is only going to be a help that's my my thought on it what do you got neil i would say it sort of depends on the kind of work you want to do when you're done now i i get that there's a note there hey i want to you know, you may want to teach someday, but let's, let's, let's ignore that for a moment and just say, what kind of work do you want to do? And then go find the firms that do that work. Right. I, I didn't have a big interest myself. So I, I, so here's my bias side of this is that, uh, I, I didn't have an opportunity or didn't have a big desire to go do the type of work that say a three letter firm would do. Right. And so does did I need that to get a job? No. Um, and I would say you you don't have to have that. D- it depends on the type of work you you want to do, and uh, go find the firms that do that work, and then go try and work for them, right? And if but but if you're getting some real world experience now, then that as Cormac said, that's going to be your leg up. That's what helped me. I mean, I got lucky enough to land a job very early on just as a drafter for a one person firm. But that gave me real world experience that when I went to the next job, you know, I, I could already do something and 
I didn't have to get totally taught how to hold a pencil and, uh, and, and be responsible. So I, I, I would say any, any sort of experience would be good, but at the end of the day, go search out the firms that are doing the kind of work you want to do. And if they happen to be three letter firms, then, then go work for those. Yeah. You know, I will say something interesting that I didn't really think of. There are a lot of three letter firms out there. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Three and I, four. Two, two of us they, work so for they, one. Yeah. They, for two. One of the, the, the gentlemen I mentioned who I first started working for, uh, he always said um, uh, the the firm, if he was going to name a firm, like three three letters, it would be G-H-I, got to have initials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. All right. So I'm going to take a little bit of a different tact and say that you should get experience at all different sizes of firms to figure out what you really like, because there is something that sets these larger firms apart. And two things that immediately come to mind are resources and opportunity to do lots of different kinds of work. And then I would say, thirdly, it is leadership opportunities because you are going to be working on teams. Whereas in small firms, that's less of a thing, right? Medium and large firms, you're definitely working on teams and sometimes quite large teams, which gives you good opportunities to see how people work together. And, you know, those are the projects people hate in school. But in reality, that is every single project that we do. And you okay. really have to learn right. real, how to do real that. Real quick, though, let me ask you this, because to go to his, to Dad's point here, does he need that experience? I totally agree with you that going in, you know, experience, experiencing all of the you know different size firms to really see what fits and and so you can settle into your career is totally a valuable tool and totally you know excellent advice but does he need it before he graduates no but he needs it to become a professor okay and the yeah, reason why well, i think mostly is comes down to so so we all know there's lots of professors out there who have never d practiced and I think that is kind of a tragedy, <laughs> right, for, for most people going through school. And never so had any of those. Part, and so when you're practicing, like, that happens at all different scales, right? It happens at small, medium, and large. And Because when you, when you are leading people through an education of architecture, I think that leadership is important. And we've all yes. also had yeah. professors who were not leaders, right? right? We've had professors who yell at people. They're yeah. not—that's not leadership. No. We've had professors who tear people down. That's not leadership. No. Um, and so, so there have been professors that have been good mentors, and I bet you, the mentors were either had either have a ton of experience, or they they worked in large firms on lot, on teams of people where it gives you the opportunity to get into a niche, a groove, um, expertise. Whereas when you're working for smaller firms, you kind of have to do it all. And I think those are both equally great experiences. And I think they're also equally necessary for teaching lots of different types of scenarios to, to students in school. Right. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. So, I mean, I, I think we've kind of given given them a lot to chew on with that one. Um, I, I don't know that we need to go further with that part, but we, we could go to their second the second part of the question. What do you got, Neil? What was the second part again? No. Okay. So the second part of the question was that his girlfriend is in a the same program, equally oh, talented, 
um, and has worked for larger firms. But how easy or difficult is it for two people to get jobs in the arch- in architecture in the same city? And then what are the best cities for for architectural firms? Man, I don't I don't know that there's a that, wrong answer that, that, for that I was right now. Say, that's so. <laughs> it depends on the economy. Uh, yeah, not a problem right now. <laughs> I, I'd say. Almost everywhere in every major market that offers basically the small, medium, large, and extra large firms yeah, um, are hurting for people in real... I mean, it is a good market for people coming out of school. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the case yeah. when, you know, I know, Neil, I mean, didn't you come out during a recession? Um, yeah. You know, and... Yeah, you know, sure did. Yeah, so, I mean... It's a good time. I mean, people are hiring and, you know, projects are, are moving forward. I mean, who knows? No, I mean. You're not sure how long <laughs> this is going to last, but, but right now, but, but you're now not it's, wrong, Carmen. Yeah. Any, anywhere, any major metropolitan area right now is a good place. Yeah. So I would say, again, go back, look for the firms that are doing the type of work you want to do. Where are those firms located? Yeah. And if it's an, a, a place agreeable to you, go move there. Yeah, uh, and they and they mentioned right, and they mentioned and I the there was a keyword in there, you know, progressive companies, and 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 honestly, right. I most certainly believe that they are everywhere. Um, yeah, smaller markets like you know where I came from in Saint Petersburg, Florida. I mean, there's a bunch of you know tons of great firms doing great work there, and then you get to where I'm at now, and the Baltimore and you know Washington D.C. area, and there's tons of firms. You can't shake a stick without hitting an architecture firm somewhere. And there, yeah. it's a variety of different ones. I mean, from like the boutique uh, residential firms all the way up to the the megapolis, uh, crazy large firms and stuff. And then the yeah, you know middle totally. ground ones like mine and and we're you know I mean everybody's looking for people and everybody's doing really good work and so you can and I, and and I'm just going to say that this is probably the case everywhere is you will be able to pick and choose what type of firms that you go to. I will just throw this little bit of advice out there, dad, dad to dad. Um, please let him know. <laughs> Let both him and his girlfriend know hard work is what's really going to make him stand out from everybody else. Yep. It Absolutely. really is. I mean, we've got some interesting people in our firm that work differently. They all work great and they're all, you know, but they work differently. And some people take a lot of prodding to get moving. And some people just are go getters and will take a hold of something take the ownership in a project and run with it. Yep. And those are the ones that you're going to be, holy crap, this is the guy that I want teaching me in the future. Yeah. I, I, I'll say this, the, the staff person who does exactly what Cormac just said, takes that initiative and does a good job. Look, we're, we're busy. I'm, I'm busy. I'm very busy. I don't know what day it is. I, if, if, yeah, (laughs) exactly. And so if, if I have somebody working for me that starts, proves through example, through several examples or like, Hey, can you take care of this? Oh, I've already done it. Or yeah, I'll take care of that. And not only did I take care of it, but i followed up and here's this answer. And now we've got, you know, here's now the question, right? It's like, whoa, 
if that person shows me that, I don't care how long they've been working, that's the that's my go-to person after that, right? It, it's like, oh, I can trust this person. And I think we've, we've talked a little bit about this in some past episodes, but the person that will do that is the person that excels, that does well. And right now, anybody can get a job in our profession. Everybody's very busy. That won't last forever. Trust us. It, you know, this, it, this economy cycles. Right. Yeah. But and if you're one of those people that you it, guys are talking about, you'll be one of those people who has a way higher chance of keeping your job. Bingo. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. That's yes. exactly where I was headed. Indispensable. You want to be indispensable. So, yeah. 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 Or make yourself as indispensable as possible. It's not, it doesn't always save you, but it, uh, it'll trust me. You'll now. get a positive, uh, you'll get a positive, there will be positive words so that when a, there's a job opening or if somebody calls and like, Hey, I need somebody because this is a very close knit network of firms that do similar types of work. And we all know each other and it's like, Hey, this person's really good. You should give them a call or, 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 or the opposite happens is this person's really good and we're going to steal them somehow right. and add, you know, give them a boatload more money. And that's happening now too. Yeah. So highly it, employable it, people have lots of options, right? Exactly. Exactly. I, I'll just end with a couple of, of just stories of people that I know who have gone to firms like the ones you're talking about. And so like in Portland, I know some people who've gone to Allied Works or ZGF or Bora. Um, right. Uh, and right. I have a friend who went to SOM downtown LA. And particularly with my friend who went to SOM downtown, it was a very small office at that point. You know, their their headquarters are in San Francisco and they were restarting an LA office. So he got in there I think there were less than 30 people, maybe even less than 20 people. Uh, and now it's quite larger than that because the economy. Uh, and he's having the time of his life. He loves it. And I think what I'm what I would draw from that is that large firms are some people's absolute joy. And so you won't know that unless you try it uh, because right. you might find out that it is and you also might find out that it isn't. And I, I would just encourage people to try lots of different things early in their career because if you figure both of those are valuable things, figuring out what you like and figuring out what you don't like. So uh, I totally recommend this, this thing. Yes, large firms are a thing in architecture for sure. There's, there's crazy resources to do equipment and software and hardware, and you can really do things that you can never do in smaller firms. Um, and then in the smaller firms, you get tons of varied experience and, you know, either way, I think they're both equally great paths to a career in architecture. So good with that one, guys. Yeah. All right. So here, here's the next question and we'll, we'll finish off with this one and we'll try to do it kind of quick is, uh, we, we have an anonymous, uh, with, a with, a Ooh. an email if anybody wants to contact this person later. So it's, a. It's just, it's not a person's name email. So we'll, we'll put the email here in our, in our show notes. If you guys are interested in responding to this person as well, but, uh, and, and where can you find those show notes? You can find them at arcaspeakpodcast.com and just click on the episode and you can see all the notes for this episode. But, um, the question is, uh, we have somebody who is looking for guidance as they begin a search for a brave architecture firm that would appreciate what they have to offer and wants to gain a competitive advantage. 
So again, there's there's a lot of backstory here. So we'll kind of jump into the main part of the question, kind of knowing the backstory, and hopefully we'll fill in the listeners through the the conversation here. But the question is specifically, how would, could, should I actually demonstrate to a firm that my skills can add value? So where are they coming from with with this kind of a question? They're coming from a place of, I am, I'm not late in my career. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, scanning back and, and trying to find what it would Basically, trained as an architect, not licensed, bulk of new experience in real estate development and investment, currently for five years, worked in acquisitions group, publicly traded company where two re- two core responsibilities are managing contract due diligence and analyzing feasibility of joint venture investment opportunities. So there's a lot of, um, you know, this is kind of slightly related to architectural field, definitely the the industry, but not, but not specifically architecture. And so this person is feeling stuck um, where they are and they really want to get into architecture, right? So, so this person is totally, it sounds like a self-starter. They, they know lots of technology, um, but at the same time, they see kind of their age and their experience as a disadvantage. So how do you guys think that this person could demonstrate to a firm that their skills could add value without specific design or construction experience? So we just yeah, we, we just finished yeah. talking about how there's tons of opportunity out there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. is and, there opportunity for somebody like this? Y- yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's with this person's going to need a little bit more research in the kind of firm that they want to go to because right. they got a lot of great experience and a lot of management experience. And it's going to really be hard in a way to have the management skill. So they've had the management skills developed, but learning the architecture that goes behind managing, you know, an architectural project is, is different from other you know, management skills and or management pro- projects and things like that for, for different careers, but not really. I mean, if you've got the leadership skills, you've got the leadership skills and, and that'll come up really quickly. So, but I, th- I think finding a firm, especially firms that are like a design build type firm or a developer architect type firm mm. that, you have those skills that they would be looking for the the business development the money management the you know and all of these other things that would be able to help you out that all of those skills you have are skills that people don't have in architecture and need and so there's going to yeah. be a lot of like you know cross mentoring between de- them developing your architectural skills and you developing their business acumen I think this is kind of a dangerous path too that you'll just have to walk and, and tread lightly because yeah. you don't want to go work for one of those firms, it sounds to me, like and do that kind of work. They want to do architecture. And so as soon as you show all your cards, you, you would probably, like you're saying, Cormac, they would be seen as a very valuable asset in that side of right. the business, but it doesn't sound like that's the side of the business they want to be, they that they want to pursue. So... Here's the important thing, I think, and and you also mentioned it, Cormac, is leadership skills. I mean, when we talk about where where the biggest gap in large firms are right now, as far as talent, what is it? 
it's 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 like it's the tween it's the people like yeah (laughs) the senior project managers and the and the project architects and the senior project architects there's not enough of those people now i'm not saying that's what this guy is but but those are typically seen as the leaders in the in the studios right and and what the most important skill there i think is is leadership especially when you are showing that you can pick up these tools and learn them rather quickly that's that's great because you can lead people too and you can enable them because you see the importance in the tools i think the hardest part of moving into a position like like this that we're talking about is your marketability on projects right because yeah. typically in our world when you go after a project you need to have prior experience that's recent in those types of projects to be put right. on a pursuit to go after those because if you don't have the experience you just can't be named on the pursuit and then you you don't actually get to participate in those which makes it like this impossible right. problem to solve the only really way to solve it is yeah it is so you you have to get, have experience to get more um and it's very difficult to even break out of a market even though i think we've talked about it many times architecture is architecture you you can design a hospital you can design a school building i mean it's it's a building still and you apply the same techniques and challenges but there are lots of people out there who think you can't do it if you don't have that experience that specific experience uh, i i also think that one of the the benefits that our question asker has is that they do have software experience so he talked about dynamo he talked about sketchup he talked about rhino um and so i would assume i guess that revit is probably in that tool bag as well the importance of being able to self-perform work is very high. And I'm yes. not quite sure yeah. why that is, but I think it has to do with that there's just not enough people in these positions to go around. Um, so self-performers are definitely highly valued. Um, if you're just somebody who who used to draw by hand and, and that's what you have to offer a team, it's going to be very difficult to fit into the modern way that we do work right which is all model-based stuff um and that's how we communicate almost everything now especially with vr and ar and all these other technologies that are coming in where people are basically living in 3d all the time um if you can self-perform if you can do the the design the modeling and the presentation of it uh and you can be self-sufficient or at least be very closely linked with some other people who might be able to support you doing that then i think you're going to have a really good chance as well Totally so, agree. So, do you have? Do you guys have well, like? Well said. Do you have like one kind of wrap up thing for for our question asker here about how how a firm might have a positive reaction to to their skill set or their desire? I mean, passion I think is huge. Passion will be huge, and when you and interviews are free, right? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get to go Absolutely. out and interview and and just look at those as opportunities to learn and and not don't even go in with expectations have a good time show passion and see what happens um because luckily you don't have to pay for interviews right you can go in and and start interviewing for this stuff and get that experience and hmm. see what and see what happens i mean it's uh you'll That's never know money making opportunity there <laughs> really make people pay <laughs> us architects you know we we need to make more money I just I think that the future's bright for somebody like this. I don't I don't think yeah. that these no. are are really 
knocks on this person at all. I mean, and especially I, I, I would say get in now, though, get in as soon as possible, um, because in two years or 18 yeah, who months knows? Or 12 months or it's something, going to be rolling the dice implode. at that point. And then you're going to struggle. And, right? and also somebody with that level of experience is not going to come cheap. And so you've got to get in, get your foot in the door soon and somewhere and, and begin to establish yourself. I will, I will say this. So there's probably going to be a little bit of a level of frustration that you're going to have when you're going to go to these firms because you've already identified that it's pro- it's going to be hard for you to sell them on your value, but you do have value that you're going to be bringing them. And so there's going to be a little bit of a challenge and, and maybe some firms aren't going to understand, you know, what you can bring to the table. Well, those aren't really the firms that you probably want to work for, with. So, you know, as Evan said, keep going to interviews. Um, I'm going to say this, it's, it's October, mid-October right now, or, or early to mid-October right now. And, and firms, a lot of firms don't like hiring around the end of the year. Just anybody and everybody who's listening to this that is looking for, you know, going to be looking for a job. The only reason why is because they're trying to close up their books. They're trying to do things you know, administratively, that they really aren't thinking about bringing on new hires until the beginning of the year. So if you're out there looking and you can't find anything or, or you know, people are like, well, you know, maybe come back at the beginning of the year. It's not you. It really isn't you. It's that businesses are thinking about other things, a lot of other things. It's, it's you know, cl- it's closing the books up. Um, yeah. so, so don't get frustrated with that and just keep persevering through it because there, there are firms out there that need, you know, talent that they may not be looking for. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, you don't really have a lot of architectural experience, then sell them on everything else because. Yeah. I, uh, don't focus on the negative. Yeah. Totally don't. I mean, cause. Yeah. So, in, so there's, I, I would, I would add one thing is. I don't know how much time or effort has gone into looking at what architects make. I, I made a flippant remark about making money earlier, but uh, or money making opportunity. <laughs> but in all rea- in all realities, be I, I don't know what this person with this type of experience has made in the past. Uh, but be prepared because you may not have exactly what that firm is needs or is looking for. But they recognize, uh, they recognize that there's uh, a lot of potential there. But be pre- be prepared to possibly be offered more less than what you're what you think you're worth, or maybe what you have made in the past. Right. And that's you know, and that's a different landscape than other professions. Yeah, yeah. But what you could do though is offer. I mean, if you get a, a you know, something that is reasonable, but lower than maybe what you want. What you can do is negotiate in uh, performance and salary review, say after six months or something like that. So that after six months, if they see, wow, okay, this is really working out, or this guy just hit a guy, male or female, just hit a home run in the, in their first six months. And now, wow, we can see that value. 
then you have the opportunity to be offered more money and, and make up for maybe starting a little lower than you would, would have liked to. And, and understand where some of the value that you really have and are going to be bringing to them is architects. Well, I mean, I would say notoriously bad business people. Um, <laughs> and it's not any fault of theirs. I mean, it's we have focus on problem solving. We have focus on design. We have focus on construction aspects of things. And a lot of times we just don't, we aren't really taught how to be good business people. And that's where somebody like you who has a business degree, but I mean, sorry, a architecture degree, but also has a lot of business experience can come in and show them how to basically be that, you know, um, go out and get new business and, and how to keep business and how to, you know, do things, you know, how to like reach out and branch out to things that they may not think about. So I, I like, I really like Neil's idea about, um, you know, negotiating performance, um, you know, performance bonuses or performance raise, you know, opportunities and things like that, because, you know, six months is probably all it's going to take for you to, you know, get your, get your bearings on the architecture side of things um, with the experience that you have and that just really going after the things that, and, and you'll be able to assess what the firm that you end up working for doesn't have and where you can fit into bettering that firm yeah and find the holes right <laughs> exactly i, yeah, I think exactly. that's a great strategy is to is to find out and and i think there's a lot of firms out there who paint a picture that they've got it all figured out right their their social <laughs> their social network their social medias patting themselves on the back all the time and everything's great but if you if you can get to know people and find out what what are the struggles and then try to figure out how you could solve problems for people that's a great strategy to go in and find the holes and plug them up. And, and I would just say yeah. as my last remark on this is just be confident, go in there. And I don't, what I mean by that is don't go in there. Like you've got all the answers, uh, go in there being confident that you've got a lot to learn and that you're willing to do it. And I think that that is a huge difference when you can show that you're willing to do whatever it takes, uh, and, and then renegotiate later, or maybe somebody sees the value in that right away. I think that that is a, a huge win for firms because they want people that are willing to figure things out to solve their problems and not uh, not go in there acting like they already know it all. So I, I think that you've got a, a ton of opportunity out there. And like I said, interviews are free, so start doing them now and see what happens. Because it sounds, based on what Cormac said and in my feelings too, I think time is of the essence here. This is not something that you can wait for a year to to start doing. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So I, I know for sure on, in our firm, we've got more job openings right now than, than I think I've ever seen. So there's lots of need. Yes. Just see if you can, if you can match something. Yeah. All right. So I think that's it for ask Arca speak this episode. Great questions. I I really appreciate the listeners. And, and if you guys, our listeners out there have, advice uh, like i said the email address for that last question there will be in our show notes and you can email them if you'd like and add your own to it and i think they would really appreciate that so hey i want to remind everyone that this episode is brought to you by rcat and the music is by system kid 
Subscribe to Arcuspeak on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or listen directly from our site at arcuspeakpodcast.com. You can follow the show on social media and uh, keep sending in those questions via Twitter or Facebook. Links to each of those can be found on the site. Thanks for listening, everyone, and stay subscribed. We'll catch you next time. See you next time. Have a good one.